Blog Talk Radio. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Twin. I'm not available. Leave your name, telephone number, date and time oh, call. I'll get back to you. Thanks. Hey, Icon, we are live. Uh, you told me to call in, and that's what I'm doing. I am calling you to let you know that we are live on the air now um, and that you can flip over your Ken's FM uh, over to, to Blog Talk now. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you, who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public Radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial, public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost. And it's as little as $10 a month. So that was cute. Um, we're playing that number here. Again, this is the big swing. Uh, I am waiting on Icon, who they are currently doing the show uh, from the Ken's FM studio. And normally they, you know, they flip it over here to Blog Talk. Um, but we're experiencing some difficulties. So he wanted me to call in his host, which really doesn't make any sense because – you know, he's running the switchboard from the FM station. So uh, here I am. Now I have to pull him on as a guest, and he is um, he's not answering. So that's always fun. Uh, I tried calling Ken's FM actual, you know, studio number. Uh, that didn't work. So let's uh, let's try calling Icon again here and, uh, and give Icon, you know, let's blow him up a little bit uh, because – you know that, that that's always fun to you know to blow him up um and and if not you know we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about you know some wrestling and different things and I'll just play sound clips the whole time until he until he answers but again big swing here executive producer of the show um 
you know, the show is going on, just so you guys know. It is over at Ken's FM, 80, uh, 89.1 FM, Ken's FM in Fargo, North Dakota, which is where it is headquartered out of. Um, I, I'm assuming that Icon is on the air uh, with them, and which is why he is not answering or, or calling in as a guest. Um, I wish there was a way that I could, uh, you know, get get in touch with him in another capacity, but uh, that is not happening. We, we, have, we have somebody on. Who, who is this? Hi, this is Kelly. Kelly Tabor. Hi. Hi, Kelly. Um, you were uh, calling in for Attitude Air Live tonight, right? Pardon me? Say that again? Uh, you, you were calling in for, for the show tonight, right, for Attitude Air Live? Yes. Yes. All right. Um, there were a few technical issues on the Blog Talk Radio app, um, and uh, we couldn't get on to the internet connection. Um, and finally, we did. And Icon is actually doing the show from uh, from the FM studio. And I'm trying to trying to get him on the line here to flip it over now that I've you know got everything up and running and I can't get in touch with him so that's that's fun so um let me um let me put you on a brief hold uh again I'm, I'm gonna try to get in touch with him because I, I don't know what's going on he wanted me to dial in his host and I finally did and now he can't get out so uh yeah it's always fun when you uh, deal with technology so <laughs> let me um let me do that for you Kelly I'll and I'll uh, I'll be on with you shortly yeah okay, I'll be on with you shortly you. Of bookings I have coming up for the next few months. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's about that's about it, and that's all I I got really going on until uh, January when I start kicking back up again. That's cool. So anyway, uh, I think uh, we're uh, I think we're back uh, live here, and if, uh, I think uh, Big Swing, can you hear me? Are you there? I know I yes. know he's down. Okay, you dialed in as the host, right? Yes. Awesome. This is the host. All right. Uh, who who who's this? No, is this, this Kelly? is Kelly. I'm the uh, guest. Yes. All right. I, I sorry, Kelly. Uh, we're uh, just waiting for uh, uh, Mr. Rossi uh, to call in. Uh, uh, hopefully, he'll call in soon. Uh, unless uh, Mr. Rossi, are you there already? No, he's not. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Let me go ahead and introduce you, and then when uh, Mr. Rossi calls in, we'll introduce him. So, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the – well, actually, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I know this is riveting for everybody. We're going to take a quick little commercial break, get everything assembled, and then we'll be uh, right back to you. Okay, Kelly? Okay. All right. So we'll take a commercial break. We'll be back. So, if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, Elevated Concrete can help. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, 
walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. They are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, she is one half of our second guest featured. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you at this time, she is Kelly Tabor Cromer. Hi, this is Kelly Tabor. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live, Monday on 81.9 Ken's FM with your host, the icon and also the modern nightmare, Matthias and the Big Swing. All right, we're still waiting for uh, Mr. Rossi to call here. Uh, you, I uh, had so much fun. Kelly and I had so much fun just, like, bad-mouthing you before we got on. And we were like, wow, Icon, what a jerk, man. You know, well, hey, no, I'm uh, just kidding. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not... I, I explained to her. I explained to her that we had the technical difficulties and that you were running the FM and that, you know, I finally was able to get us on here. So uh, she was nice about it. She, she held. She didn't tell me to, uh, you know, go punt and hang up. So that was nice. So right, I'm going to um, I'm going to finish we'll, my Monday night football We'll, we'll, you, we'll mute you, you then we'll uh, uh, yeah, if you want to yeah. join us later, we'll do that. Okay? Yeah. No, I'm just letting you know you guys are all good now. So okay, right. sounds good. Enjoy your combo. Thank you. All right, uh, Richard, are you there with us? Richard, I know. Uh, you know, this is. Uh, <laughs> Matthias, there's no Richard. There's just Kelly. So. All right. Okay. All right. Let's see. Should I hang up? No, no. Uh, you you stay on. Uh, we're gonna have uh, Richard call back. Uh, hopefully he'll get the message here real quick, and then we'll talk to you about uh, the exciting book that. Uh, uh, you know, and I I do want to apologize up front that this is happening to you, uh, but. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. He is the other half of this great book, and we're going to talk to him as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Richard Rossi. Man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, he said he's on hold. All right. Uh, he, he called three minutes ago, and he's on hold. Richard, is that you? Yes, this is me. Can you hear me? Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, I do apologize, guys. We, we've been having so many. Uh, uh, we've been having a station, a radio phone difficulties. I do apologize. But now what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys the full slate, and I hope by the time we're done here that you guys are still going to like me and still want to talk to me after we're done here. Um, do you want me to do that slate, Kelly and I, to do that slate when we come on air with you? Right, That's a exactly. Spot? So okay. what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, take a little uh, – I'm going to uh, go ahead, uh, put you guys on hold, and I'm going to introduce you. And then uh, what we'll do is, Richard, you'll say the opening, and then uh, Kelly can say her opening, and then we'll talk about the book. How's that sound? Great. And um, the one – the most recent one you sent didn't have big swing on it. Should we go with that one that ends on Matthias? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. So, okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, and this is Icon, and I'm here with my buddy Matthias. Say hello. Hello. 
All right, and uh, we uh, we have a couple interesting guests right now with us, and uh, we're definitely going to be talking to them here shortly. Uh, they wrote a book, and uh, we're going to talk to them about uh, a book called, I do believe it's called Lucy and the Lake Monster. And uh, I've read the uh, I read the book from cover to cover, and uh, what I love all about it is great. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, our first guest of the two, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Richard Rossi. Hey, this is Richard Rossi, and you're all listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on eighty nine point one Ken's FM. With your host, the icon, and also with a big swing and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Woo! And stepping out of the green room to join Mr. Rossi is his co-writer. She is beautiful. She is talented. And she's going to join us right now. She is Kelly Tabor. I think she might have dropped off. We're still having issues. Uh, but, Richard, you're there, aren't you? I am. I didn't hear Kelly. Hopefully she calls back in here. All right. I'm sure I, – I, I, I sure hope so. But here's the deal. Uh, we're going to take all the time we have. We have an hour and ten minutes left of the show, and I know that we're going to have you guys on for 30 minutes whenever, <laughs> whenever we can start the 30 minutes. But you know what they say, Richard, when you have technical difficulties, you just kind of grin and bear it, and then you just kind of – uh, do the best of uh, what you need to do to take care of it. I do apologize that this is happening. This, this is not supposed to happen, but I hope you can forgive me. Oh, well, apology accepted. Um, and, uh, you know, Murphy's Law, I know we're making the film version of Lucy, and I know from filmmaking sometimes technical things that can go wrong will go wrong, Murphy's Law, but, you know, you're ready to film a scene and a plane goes overhead right at that critical moment of dialogue. So, um, Kelly just notified me she's on, so hopefully we can hear her again. Uh, what is uh, what is her area code? Oh, there it is, right there. Got it. Mine uh, is eight one eight. She's eight six four, I believe. All right, let's introduce her, ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, she is the co-author of this wonderful book, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Kelly Tabor. Hi, this is Kelly Tabor. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live, Mondays on 89.1. Ken's FM with your host, the icon, and also the modern nightmare, Matthias, and the big swing. Okay, guys, now now we're officially set here. We will have to take a little break at the top of the hour, you know, for the legal IDs. But uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, your book and how you guys got together and uh also the upcoming production and by the time we're done uh i'm going to try and get a job in that production so you guys can fire me for all the stuff that's happening tonight so i appreciate that but anyway so how did you guys uh get together well kelly you're the kind of catalyst and muse to the whole story why don't you start Okay, well, I was friends with Richard way back in the 80s when we uh, attended university, and so I've known him for a long time, and we got back in contact with one another, and I started telling him about what was going on in my life, and and I've been teaching for 32 years. In fact, I just recently retired. 
I taught elementary school, and I, I told my students in South Carolina where I taught about the Lake Champlain monster. I always told them stories every year. They were fourth graders, nine and 10 years old, so they were all excited. And they loved the stories of the Lake Champlain monster because I actually grew up on Lake Champlain in upstate New York. And so I told Richard about the stories that I had told my students, and he was very impressed how it impacted the students' lives. And so he reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to write a children's book series on the Lake Champlain monster, as well as a movie series. And I, I had to say yes. So that's how we got together on this project together. Now, the book is called Lucy and the Lake Monster. Now, is this a real monster, or is it uh, just a make-believe story character that you guys came up with? Or is it based on uh, real events? Richard? Well, you know, I had never heard of this Lake Champlain monster, Scott, who is called Champ. But um, I learned through Kelly, who grew up by this lake, that sightings of Champ had been, I think the earliest was Samuel de Champlain, the explorer the lake was named after, uh, drew pictures in his diary and wrote about seeing Champ. And then the uh, Indians, the Native Americans, um, the Abenaki tribe wrote about seeing Champ. And then uh, sightings continued. There's a sign by the lake in Bowaga Bay that has uh, eyewitnesses. There's been hundreds and hundreds of eyewitness accounts, um, uh, several hundred a conservative estimate of eyewitness accounts and the names and the dates of when people saw Champ. Um, as the writing team, I would be kind of the Dowling Thomas here in that, you know, when, when Christ rose from the dead and the disciples said they saw him, Thomas said, well, wait a second, I, I don't have enough evidence. I need to see some evidence of the you know, wounds in his hand. So I'm still looking for evidence, but Kelly grew up by the lake, and she's the true believer in this writing team because she's always believed in Champ and always looked for Champ. In fact, uh, Kelly believes she did see Champ or at least the effects of Champ. Maybe you could tell Scott that story, uh, Kelly. Go ahead, Kelly. Yes, I, I grew up on Lake Champlain, and, and Lake Champlain actually borders the states of New York and Vermont. And so my dad had a cabin on the lake, and so that's where I spent my summers. And there were a lot of stories, a lot of people, like Richard had said, eyewitnesses who had seen, um, I'm referring to him as, as him, as champion of him, but really it could be a he or she. We don't know because nobody's ever got a really good picture. The best picture ever taken was uh, a photo taken by Sandra Mancy in the 70s, and that's the one that you probably see online a lot. But uh, the time that I believe that I saw the effects of Champ is I was I was at the cabin with some friends and the it was a very calm evening and the you know when the water was really calm I say it looked a lot like glass just really smooth and there was a big stirring and all of us were looking and my dad who's older he grew up he grew up on the lake as well he's like I've never seen anything like this before. And so there was a big stirring, and we were wondering what was it. And we always had binoculars on the on the porch there, and my friend had her camera ready, hoping to get a really good picture. And so it started coming straight at us, but it did not surface. 
it stayed under the water, but there was a very large wake and it did not go from side to side. It did not go up and down. It just came straight towards our cabin and our eyes were just locked on it because we were just amazed and mesmerized thinking, oh my goodness, could this be? Because we can't imagine anything that would come straight at us like that and not go side to side or up and down. It just came at a steady speed, and then it just made like a 90-degree turn, and it it went off to the next point, and it never surfaced. So I want to say that I saw the effects of Champ. I don't know what else it could have been. And it was a pretty exciting. It was a pretty exciting moment for all of us. We were hoping to get a good photo, but we didn't because it never came up. Well, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. We are listener-supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. So you're hungry, and you're thinking about some place to eat? Well, I think of the Shack on Broadway, located in North Fargo at 3215 Broadway. They feature daily breakfast, lunch, and dinner specials and have been twice voted best breakfast in town. They are open at 6 a.m. every day until 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and until 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. They take care of all of your to-go needs as well, plus handling that quick meal before or after running to the lakes this summer. I'm thinking Shack on Broadway still. They're at 3215 Broadway in North Fargo. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ-FM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got two great guests here. we got Richard Rossi, and we also have the collaborator of the book, and she's also here with us today. And... Uh, we're going to continue talking about this. Now, before I, uh, before I turn over to Matthias, now, you know, you mentioned that uh, this kind of, kind of a sea monster. Let me ask you this. When someone asks you about this, Kelly, does anybody ever say, like, oh, this is just like, uh, like the rock best monster or it's kind of like Sasquatch or Bigfoot? What do you say to people that would tell you that? Yeah, there are people who who are naysayers and they don't really believe. Um, you know, they have they like like Richard would say, and they doubt they doubt it because there hasn't really been concrete evidence. Nobody's ever seen it up close, and you know, got to examine it up close um, to know for sure. So there is a lot of speculative, uh, spec- you know. That's, People, you know, just, they don't know. They don't know. So so they have every right not to, but as a child growing up, it was just so interesting to me. And and it's like the people who are cryptozoologists that go out and they really believe something's there. And I always have believed that it's there. Um, there's a lots of other stories that I could tell you that my grandfather even um, believed that he had seen it. And I've had cousins who had seen it um, on the lakeshore. They were fishing, and there's somebody water skiing in the summertime. And and um, the water skiers went down, and but Champ surfaced nearby to them. Um, nobody got a picture, though. <laughs> there's a lot of accounts like that where people say that they had seen it, like groups, families that have been out picnicking or 
foreboding. People have seen it. And, uh, but nobody really ever gets a really good picture of it. Well, you know, with that, with that being said, um, Kelly, you know, we, we started out as a, as a wrestling uh, uh, podcast, and we became a full-pledged radio show. And there's, and mm-hmm. Matthias talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, in the wrestling world, they, we, what we call it is the F word, and we're not going to say it because wrestling is always real to us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people say that this, uh, what you're saying, is, is not true. It's the F word that's fake. But from what you're saying, it, it's, it's all real to us. Now, Matthias, when someone comes up to you and tells you that what you do for a living is not real, what do you tell them and what do you have for our guests? Go ahead. Well, um, I really don't want to get into that whole uh, spiel about using the F word around me because uh, I will have x-rays and multiple hospital visits and two broken knees that will never work again and 16 concussions and a broken neck and a torn up shoulder will, uh, will tell you a different story. But anyway, um, yes, this is the man from... Every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed APW World Heavyweight Champion and NFC World Tag Team Champion, and soon to be APW United States Champion, NFC World Heavyweight Champion, Intercontinental Champion of Rudos Promotion, and the Cruiserweight Champion of the NFC, and honorary member of New World Order, Matthias, welcome on to my part of the program. Uh, my main question to you guys would be: No, I've had to like I've had to produce uh, stories for radio, uh, for news stations, and stuff like that. And of course, I've had to write to a specific way, and and I've had uh, I've had struggles up and down every once in a while with uh, with my writing and stuff like that. But what do you guys do? Would be one of your biggest struggles going into uh, the write, like it'd be the writing of the book, or you know, like what 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 was one of the biggest struggles you guys ever have when you have to you know, create a book. Well, I can say that Richard is based in L.A., and and I'm in South Carolina, so we've done everything long distance. Well, we've done the writing of the book long distance. We did get together. We filmed, we filmed um, not this past summer, but the summer before, because we are doing a movie on it. And, and the distance between us has been difficult. But we've managed, and we've, we, we feel like we've done a pretty good job at at it through role playing and and just consistency and hard work what do you think richard yes and the story is about a little girl named lucy who looks for champ with her grandpa and i play the grandpa in the film and we have a wonderful little actress uh, emma pearson who's nine years old and and she just won best actress in one of the big film festivals for another film but um Emma, who plays Lucy in our book, Lucy and the Lake Monster, in the film version, is based on Kelly as a child. And so one of the ways we did it, overcame the distance challenge, was we did Zoom meetings. And I would tell Kelly, you know, just go back in your memory and you're going to be the little girl and I'll be Papa. And we would improvise scenes like, okay, we're out on the boat in the lake looking for Champ. And, you know, you can record your Zoom meetings. And we improvised a lot. And then we kind of took the goal, the best moments of that process. So um, we found a way to make it work, you know, even though 
thankfully technology allowed us to write together even though we weren't you know we were 3000 miles apart yeah and one thing i have to add to that is i'm i'm used to working with fourth graders and so i i've done it for uh, 32 years and so i kind of know how they talk and so when we were role playing different parts i would think like a child of that age and it, Richard was really impressed how it came out, and um, we're really happy about, you know, when the script came out. Emma did such a fabulous job acting, and I think um, when we get it all done, it's really going to be a nice, a nice piece for for families, you know. Hopefully, for years to come, it'll be something that they'll go back to. Uh, Richard yeah. Rossi and Kelly Tabor is our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM. We've got about uh, 23 minutes. Uh, we're we're going to spend the next 23 minutes, like I say, talking about the book and the movie. And then, uh, Richard, there's uh, a couple fan questions that we want to get to about another one of your projects that has kind of intrigued us. So we'll, we'll save that towards the end. But when do you guys plan on starting to film, and uh, how can I become an extra in this film with my buddy Matthias? Well, that would be great. We would love to have you and Matthias now. This is a film series, so there'll be opportunity to do that in the sequels. The first one's already been filmed, um, and it's in the editing process right now. It's being the sound, one of the final processes. We're doing the sound and, you know, modifying things. So the first one's literally about ready to come out uh, early next year, 2024. So it would be too late for that one. However... Um, Kelly and I are writing a sequel. It's going to be at least a trilogy. So, so there'll be two more films, you know, even though um, we met after, you know, even though we met you guys after the first one was shut. So um, we look forward. I think we'll, I think that the sequel in the, uh, is going to be better because this one lays the foundation of the story and Papa and Lucy looking for champ and they're overcoming their grief because, Lucy's an orphan. Both her parents die in the story. Had died, the father died in the, as a uh, soldier, and um, the mother died in a boating accident. And so I'm the grandfather trying to raise this little girl. But um, I think uh, the first film is going to be really great. Even the rough cut that we have now, it really looks great. I think it has the potential to, Lord willing, be like Kelly said, a classic that people come back to because – I grew up as a kid uh, by a movie theater that showed these great children's films, you know, when I was little, you know, Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Herbie the Love Bug and stuff. And we're hoping it'll be that kind of film that, you know, adults and kids all can enjoy it. Well, when is the when is it uh, scheduled to be released, and how uh, is it going to be on streaming, or is it going to be on like regular television, like PBS, or uh, what is your plan for release and the date, and how it's going to be released? Um, well, we plan to release it in the um, spring of uh, 2024, and starting in screenings like live screenings, like theaters, schools, churches, synagogues, film festivals. We'd like to have that kind of in-person experience first, kind of like the, uh, you know, the old school days where you actually go and get a big bucket of popcorn, and then, uh, you know, roll it out to like TV and. Um, uh, streaming, you know, uh, there's a lot of streaming options now, Amazon Prime and Netflix and Tubi. And, um, but we, would, mm-hmm. we do want to kind of old school show it live to people on a big screen. I think it would be a lot of fun. Well, what would you have to yeah, do? We, have you guys 
What would you, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What would we have to do to have you uh, both come down here and uh, do a screening at the Fargo Theater? Oh, we would love that. Oh, that would be great. Maybe you could even like uh, host it or one of the things we want to do, we think it'd be fun. I like to encourage other people to make films, which is easier now in the digital age than it used to be. It used to be if you wanted to go out and make an indie film, you'd have to buy film stock, which is, was really expensive. I mean, you need, you know, maybe a hundred grand or something to buy enough, you know, film reels. I used to make films with actual film when I was really young and it, it's expensive. Um, but now with, uh, you, know, did, you know, I mean, there's been people that have filmed films on their phone that have actually turned out pretty good and ended up in, uh, you know, big film festivals and, and sold them and stuff. So one of the things I like to do, I did it with some of my prior films, um, my film on Roberto Clemente and, and my last one, Canaan Land, about a con man preacher. Like, like I've done events where I'll be there in person and, and do a Q&A question answer after about how we made the film. And uh, quite often, I'll, uh, you know, there'll be someone in the audience that'll run out and say, hey, Richard could do this film for five bucks. You know, I'll go out and make a film. So there's been quite a few people through the years that have said, you know, hey, you encourage me. And they went out and shot a film that they always wanted to make. So I think it'd be cool to come there at the Fargo Theater in person, like some of the cast and crew, and maybe even, you know, meet people and, um, you know, have like a live event. We could play some of the music from the film. I'm a musician and I wrote, wrote music in the film. We could play music yeah. live and, you know, answer questions. Maybe you could interview us live after the screening or something, you know? And, uh, I bet if I, uh, if I talk to our friend Ken there, I bet you we could probably make that work. And, uh, maybe we can even have, uh, Ken's FM sponsor that event. Oh, that would be great. Yes. You know, that you know, would be you know, fantastic. You know, what's cool here is, you know, I am a, a really small part of the Fargo Film Festival that takes place here in March. And, oh, that's uh, of great. Course, of course, you know, submissions are, 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 you know, had to be in by the 1st of November. So, uh, but what I, you know, I would love to find a way, uh, I'll, I'll be in contact with you guys. And let's, uh, I'll get you in contact with the Fargo Theater uh, individuals, and let's see if we can make this happen. Uh, if we can get you guys to come down here, I think we can make it a nice little, like, uh, I don't know, like a Friday night event or a Saturday event or even a Sunday afternoon, and we can get people out uh, from the masses to uh, to have you guys, to have our, our people in the community check it out. Oh, that would be wonderful. Um, I tell you what, that would be. That's the thing that enlivens my heart is to meet people in person and show it in person. And, you know, I just love the look on people's faces when, you know, like like Kelly and I have been doing these book signings at Barnes & Nobles. And the book signings, you know, they've sold out. When we do it, they sell out all, all, all the books, and there will be a long line of kids and their parents or their grandparents. And just seeing the look on these kids' faces and how excited they are, you know, because – I mean, like, they're so excited about this cryptozoology, the possibility of champ being real, you know, like America's Loch Ness. And it takes me back to when I was a boy and I was interested in Bigfoot. And back in the 70s, there was this uh, film that was shot. And they call it the Patterson uh, footage. And this guy was, you know, out on his horse and, uh, you know, filming Bigfoot walking through the, the woods or whatever. And there's been a lot of debate about the authenticity of it, but... You know, being a little boy when that came out, it was like so scary and magical seeing Bigfoot, you know, 
In fact, there was a film, there was this real like kind of indie movie house. They called it Jerry Lewis Cinemas. The comedian Jerry Lewis had a string of little uh, cinemas for a while. And I remember the Bigfoot film was coming there and they were going to show the real Bigfoot footage within the film. And so when I see these, you know, kids, they have that same kind of wonder, you know, there's something magical about, um, you know, like you had mentioned, Scott, earlier in the broadcast about Sasquatch or Loch Ness or any, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, now as an adult, you know, I'm pretty into science and critical thinking and evidence and you know, so I want to see that there's evidence. But, you know, you mentioned wrestling. That's actually a great um, allegory because uh, when I was a little boy, I was very – I had a lot of health problems and almost died. I was really sick and anemic and wasn't eating much. And I was so into wrestling, and the champion where I grew up in Pittsburgh, who was from Pittsburgh, was Bruno Sammartino, the longest reigning uh, WWF champ. And hey, but I, you ever heard of Bruno Sammartino? Of course. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Bruno had a spa in Pittsburgh called the Viking Spa where, you know, back uh, we lift weights and things like that. And my mother was desperate to, you know, kind of save me and stuff. And so she knew I, I worshiped Bruno, right? So she took me up to meet Bruno. I was about eight years old and, uh, and the secretary said, oh, he's too busy. And, and my mom just wasn't taking no for an answer. And she got him to come out. And here he was, this giant guy. And I was so little. And he was so kind, you know, and he got down, uh, you know, bent his knees and got on my level. And they, my name's Richard. They called me Dickie for short back then as a kid. That was like Dick Van Dyke, Dick Cavett. That was a nickname for Richard in those days. And he said, Dickie, uh, I, I want you to eat whatever your mom puts on your plate. It's real important because if you don't start eating better and getting stronger, you know, you can never be in a tag team with me. And my tag team partner now is Dominic Danucci, but maybe one day if you, you promise me you're going to eat, you know, what's on your plate and get healthy, uh, maybe one day you could be a tag team partner with me, you know. And I was just in awe, right? But I totally was a believer in Bruno, and he would call me subsequent to that on my birthday, March 2nd, and check on me. And his niece was a school friend of mine, his niece Sherry Price, and would uh, remind Bruno to call me and stuff. And on my birthday, he'd call me, and we would talk about his matches, you know, his great steel cage match against George the Animal Steel, right? And, I mean, I was such a true believer, you know, in wrestling. And um, so there's something very childlike about Champ, and and I think our book captures Little Lucy, the orphan girl, and her childlike faith and imagination and belief in Champ, you know, and it's kind of the faith I had in Bruno. It's, uh, you know, the faith Kelly had growing up looking for Champ. And, you know, that's kind of the message of the film is, you know, to, the power of belief. You know, there's a biblical verse that says in Mark 9:23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to the one that believes. And like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm the skeptic in the sense of I haven't seen Champ or even seen any effects of Champ like Kelly has, but... Um, I think it makes it a good writing team because we want to appeal to not just the true believers. We went to skeptics to also enjoy the film too. So we do have some skeptic characters and some scientist characters that are there kind of trying to de- de- debunk uh, little Lucy's faith and say, well, wait, well, wait, didn't plesiosaurs uh, go extinct millions of years ago? So we, I think it's pretty well balanced with some of those other, you know, cynic characters too. And now, Kelly, yeah, what, what, what do you play in the film? I get to play the, Lucy's teacher, Miss Marino. 
And okay. I, I've been a school teacher for a long time, so really it wasn't like acting. It was kind of normal and natural for me. But I had a great time doing it. I haven't acted and, actually since high school, but and her I had acting a fun time. is stellar. Kelly gets a stellar <laughs> acting performance. I can tell you. Now you know you guys mentioned that you want to turn this into a trilogy. I got an idea for uh, a scene in one of the uh, next two films. Uh, it's a wrestling scene. Okay, it's be like a dream sequence. Uh, the little girl has a dream about Matthias wrestling. The the monster. Wow, that's a really creative idea, Scott. Uh, what, what do you what do you think, Matthias? Do you think you could take on a monster? I mean, I've wrestled guys that are five hundred pounds. I've wrestled three hundred fifty pound guys. I've wrestled guys bigger than me. I've wrestled guys smaller than me, and I'm a, I'm a world champion for a reason. So let's do it. And if it would get you in the movie, I'm sure you'd be a Bill. Uh, you'd be up for that. Well, I, mean, I love your creative mind. Well, you know, speaking of creative mind, uh, and this, uh, we're, we're, this is this is your guys' time. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, I wanted I'd like to talk to you guys about a couple ideas I have for a couple uh, films and such. So we, we can talk about that later this week because you guys both gave me your number and everybody's like, "Oh, why would you do that?" Uh, but anyway, uh, we have, we have uh, Richard Rossi and Kelly Tabor here, and uh, we got about uh, 13 minutes here left. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about this, and then uh, Richard, I'm going to ask you about a few more of your projects, and I got a couple other ideas for you. But when you guys decided that uh, uh, Kelly, for instance, when you decided that you wanted to uh, bring to light uh, the the lake monster, and uh, you thought that uh, it it is it is actually an interesting story, when you decided to that you were going to put pen to paper, how long did it take you to uh, write the write the book and then write the first screenplay? Well, it probably talk, took about a year for us to write it. And the screenplay, once we, once we had the book written, the screenplay came very quickly after that. So I would say the screenplay was just within just a month. And, say, uh, Richard? Yeah, that sounds about right, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I like this. And I like this review. An instant classic, perhaps one per decade. A story comes along like Lucy and the Lake Monster to inspire, empower, and equip children with the tools they need to walk this journey of life with faith, confidence, and wisdom. How did I do on that one? Oh, that was great. And I remember when great. that one came out, the woman that wrote that, I thought, wow, did she do us a favor? That was a really well written and and well read just now by you. Now let me yeah, ask you this. Go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. I was going to say uh, one really exciting thing that happened is, you know, we needed actors and actresses for different parts. And so where we actually filmed in the Boaga Bay area in Port Henry, New York, around Crown Point, Ticonderoga area, um, we needed, you see, Lucy has to overcome a lot of obstacles. And Papa does too. He's going through things in his life and Lucy's dealing with a lot of things like anxiety, grief, um, the loss of her parents. There's bullies involved. And so we needed different people to play different parts. And and so uh, one day we needed some bullies. We had a scene coming up, and we needed some neighborhood bullies. And so uh, Richard kind of disappeared one day when we were um, 
we kind of housed everything at the a church. The, there was a church that let us keep all of our equipment, wardrobe, everything there. So it was nice. We had one location for everything, and that's where we met. They had a kitchen, and so we could eat there. And it was it was really nice of them to offer that. But there were some boys in the neighborhood, and Richard had disappeared. I was like, where's Richard? And they said, well, he's out playing basketball with the boys in the neighborhood. And I thought, uh-huh. I saw those boys yesterday. I know exactly what Richard's doing. <laughs> sure enough, he came in and he said, I've got the bullies for the bully scene. But those boys were so excited. He was, uh, First of all, they were thrilled that this guy um, from Hollywood, a movie maker, was out there playing basketball with them. And then for him to ask them if they were interested in playing the bullies in the movie, can you imagine how excited these little boys were? They were, they were, it's like something that changed their lives. They can absolutely cannot wait for the movie to come out. They were hanging on every word Richard, uh, Richard had to tell them as far as script and what to say when it actually came time for filming. And they just did such a wonderful job. We were so proud of those boys. And, and, you know, it was like the talk of the town. Everybody was talking about it up there because it's a small town area. And so for us to be in town filming and, course my family they live all up there but um everybody else that came to town they were all from other places um we had a we have the villains had to come in from western new york and just we had people come in from different places but it all worked out really really well and i was just excited for the locals there too who got to be a part of it we were really thankful everybody there is just so supportive and and just exciting. It's in all the newspapers up there and um, magazines. Uh, everybody's kind of talking about it and can't wait for the movie to come out. So well, we I want to do some screen, screenings up there, too. I was going to say, Richard, you weren't hustling these kids on one-on-one, -on -one, were you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it took me back, um, Scott, to my childhood, Scott and Matthias, because you know, I grew up in a, a you know a neighborhood that was uh, blue collar and Catholic, and and we all had a lot of families in those days. Back then, the I guess they still have a teaching that you know against birth control, and so uh, like like I was the oldest of five kids, and across the street, the Frelicks, my friends, they had I think about maybe eight kids, and so you could get like a a basketball game. You could like in five <laughs> minutes have like you know ten people to play a basketball game or. You know, in a you know a few minutes, you could get 18 to, you know, play a baseball game, and so, um, you know, these boys just took me back to my childhood, and it was so fun playing with them. And you know, I mean, Kelly knows me really well for been a light, you know, nearly 40 years, and and she kind of figured out like everyone else was like, he's the director, and he's loafing and playing ball with these kids, but she kind of knew the way my mind worked. I was kind of. <laughs> looking at the kids and thinking, okay, which one would be the leader, the bullies, which one would be the, you mm. know, the more compliant, which would be the nice kids that would stick up for Lucy if she was bullied. And I mean, well, you, know, you know, Oh, what was that Scott? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, basketball, you know, I played uh, basketball in junior high. I played the mm -hmm. interesting, uh, interesting position. I played uh, left out and, uh, I had no idea that was not a position at the time, but I guess, uh, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, so, who knows? Maybe maybe when we come to Fargo, we can um, we can shoot some hoops together. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Here, here's my plan here. And uh, I, you know, I this like I say, this is your time, and I, I do want to uh, continue talking about the book. But there is a few other projects, uh, Rich. I do want to ask you about. Uh, actually, my father asked me to ask you about it, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But what okay. I'd like to do is, if we can find a way that we can get you guys down here, we do an event at the Fargo Theater. Uh, we uh, we have Ken's uh, FM support. Maybe we can uh, help not only raise money for your uh, filming, but we can also raise some money here for the station as well. That sounds great. Because, you know, as, a, as an independent radio station here, uh, you know, our, our bills are paid by, uh, you know, donations. Uh, you know, we can't sell commercials here. So uh, if you guys can come down and help us out, we'll promote you guys. You help us out. Well, it'll, it'll be a great little thing. And then, uh, you know, we could probably do it for all three uh, films. Yeah, it could probably be a blessing to uh, both you guys and us. And we love those, those historic cool like vintage theaters like the Fargo and has it I remember the Fargo has like one of those cool old signs that says Fargo and we just won an award for best children's authors in the in Nashville there's a big uh, awards thing and um we you know I didn't know if we'd win because some of the other writers I thought were well they're better known and best sellers they got uh, you know so more kids books out and uh, and I was kind of shocked you know that, that they called us up and we won but it was at a theater <laughs> like the Fargo in Nashville it was called the, the uh, Capitol, Capitol theater. theater wasn't it called the Capitol Theater Kelly yeah but it had yes. that vibe like the Fargo of like a downtown old school theater yeah, and I just yeah. love those kind of um, artsy theaters, you know, like that, mm-hmm. you know, that have like the old organs. I think the Fargo there by you might have one of those old pipe organs, you know, from like the, yeah, sil- we do. The, the silent movie days, they would, uh, you know, play that organ because you didn't have uh, dialogue and sound and stuff. Um, but um, I just love those, that old, that Fargo theater would be just an awesome place. Uh, that's a great idea, Scott. Now, if you guys both uh, uh, if you guys both check your messenger, I sent you a picture of the front of the theater. Tell me what you guys think. I, th- I think it'd be perfect for you guys. Oh, I love that. I love. It. I just saw it just now. I love it lit up like that. That's so cool. The way the the signs lit up there. Yeah, and they have a um, uh, they have um, Matthias. Tell me, oh, yeah. what is what, what do they they have a an old uh, organ in there? Uh, I can't remember what the name of the organ is that they have in there. Do you know? I think it might be a Wurlitzer. Yeah, that's what that's the name of it. Yeah, it's a Wurlitzer uh, organ. As a matter of fact, uh, like uh, during uh, December, uh, uh, around lunchtime, they have someone playing the Wurlitzer. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, yeah, they, uh, and they play Christmas music during the lunch hour. Oh, that sounds nice. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Richard Rossi and uh, Kelly Tabers are guests here on 89.1 Kent FM, and we got, uh, well, we got about... Um, well, I got about 25 minutes here with you guys, uh, Kelly. If you don't mind, uh, I, and we'll, we will come back to your project here in a second. But uh, would you mind if I ask Richard uh, about one of his other projects? No, it, his other projects excite me too. You go right ahead. I got to ask you about Roberto Clemente. You got to tell me about okay. that. Uh, thank you. Ask you about that. Well, thank you for asking. What's your dad's name? Uh, his name is uh, Jerome Helmerast. And uh, his uh, nickname when he played baseball was Homer. Really? Oh, wow. And his so name's Jerome. All, all he did was hit home runs. Well, well, thank you, Jerome, for um, wanting to know about that because I deeply love Roberto Clemente. I was a little boy in Pittsburgh. 
growing up in Pittsburgh. And my heroes, as I mentioned, were Bruno Sammartino, who was also lived in Pittsburgh and was the WWF champ, and Roberto Clemente. Um, I got really into baseball once I started to get healthier. I had some childhood health issues, um, but I started to get really into baseball um, and um, imitated him. It's kind of funny in like these home movies of me playing baseball. I'm doing these neck, you know, jerking my neck and shoulders like Clemente because Clemente had all these injuries that made him do that. But Clemente was magical. He could, he could, you know, feel a a, you know, right at the wall, get you know, get a get a, you know, field the ball off the wall and throw someone out a strike to home plate. I mean, he had the greatest cannon arm you've ever seen. But he died when I was nine in a plane crash, and he was trying to help a Nicaraguan earthquake victims. So to me, he was not just a great athlete; he was one of the most, you know, Christ-like giving men. I mean, every city he played a game, he would go to the children's hospital and visit the kids, and he died when he saw the earthquake and he saw the dictator there in Nicaragua wasn't getting, letting the food and medical supplies that were coming in get to the victims. He said, I will fly the plane myself. I'll go in there myself, which he did. And and sadly the plane crashed. And I remember when I um, was about nine, I was playing outside. I was, I was digging with my shovel, you know, a hole, you know, me and a couple kids playing and a, an older gentleman came up and, and said, you know, Dickie, I know you loved Roberto, and I have some very sad news. He just died in a plane crash. I was crushed. So I had a lifelong dream to make a movie about him. I wrote I wrote stories about him in school. In fact, I got it. The nuns at, at the school I went to it was St. Athanasius Grade School. The nuns got really mad at me because they said, every assignment you write about Clemente, you need to write about something else. But, I, like, that's how much I loved him. So, um I made the Clemente film, and um, it's on Vimeo.com. If you go to Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, and just put in Baseball's Last Hero 21 Clemente Stories, you can watch it. For There's a modest fee. I don't know what it is. It might be about 7 bucks or something, and you can watch it. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – Richard I, actually I, plays the scout, bird dog oh, yeah. in the movie. Oh, I forgot that. Thanks, <laughs> Kelly. Uh, yeah, yeah I play the uh, I play the baseball scout that uh, that gets Clemente to play for the Pirates. I had to talk Clemente into leaving the Dodgers to come play for the Pirates, who were in last place. So there's a pretty good scene where I I talk him into coming to Pittsburgh. You know that's uh, that's actually my that was actually my father's team was the Brooklyn Dodgers and his other hero, of course. What, can you guess who his other hero was? Well, uh, uh, there are so many great Dodgers. Um, I know, to me, like maybe the greatest pitcher ever was Sandy Koufax with the Dodgers. That's um, one. How about number forty-two? Oh wow! You're, um, are you talking about Jackie Robinson? I am. Oh wow! Yeah, he was great. And there's a lot of parallels with, of course, uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the the Keller barrier. They both dealt with a lot of racism, unfortunately. Um, you know, um, poor Jackie Robinson really got it good with people that were, you know, hated him for his uh, being being African-American. And then Clemente got a double whammy because he was Puerto Rican and people that were racist against uh, Spanish people. But then he was also black. He had he was uh, dark. And so um, he got it from both sides really bad. In fact, a lot of times when they were in the South, they wouldn't let him go in and eat. In some of the restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, both Jackie Robinson and Clemente had faced tremendous racism. 
You know, like uh, like Branch Rickey once said about Jackie Robinson. Well, you know, I'll tell you what these letters are not. They're not from the Jackie Robinson fan club. And forgive me for you not being called a carpetbagger. That's wow. my Branch Rickey. That's good. Wow, that was a good Branch Rickey. Oh, by the way, Branch Rickey not only brought in uh, Jackie Robinson, he was also involved with bringing Clemente to the Pirates. So he was actually involved in both of their journeys. There's a lot of parallels there. You know, and also here him, in uh, – go ahead. I'm sorry, tell him who you, I said tell him who you got to play Roberto Clemente in the movie. Oh, yes. Uh, Jamie Nieto played Roberto Clemente, and he was an Olympian. Jamie was a great Olympian a great athlete, a high jumper in the Olympics, and an actor. And I I got very discouraged trying to cast Clemente because I needed someone that had the mixture of black and Hispanic in their heritage and was athletic and was a good actor. I mean, there, and there were all those factors. And sometimes I would get a Spanish actor, but they weren't dark skin, or I'd get a African-American actor that didn't have the Spanish vibe. Or I get someone that looked the part, and and then I say, hey, let's step out back with our baseball gloves, and I'm gonna pitch to you a little bit, or you know, throw the ball around. And they they weren't athletic, you know. And so, but Jamie Nieto was the whole package. He was great. He was a world class elite athlete in the Olympics. He was uh, he looked like Clemente. He was a good actor, and um, he's a tremendous person, like like Roberto Clemente, a tre- tremendous giving person of faith and everything. And so we got very lucky with casting him. And then we needed a beautiful Latina actress to play Clemente's wife. And we were very fortunate, Marilinda Rivera, who she won the be- the most beautiful model uh, in this show that was called a project runway. Um, uh, Seals used to be married to uh, Heidi Klum and uh, Heidi Klum had a show a couple of years back called project runway where they would, pick the prettiest model and she won and she was from Puerto Rico, Marilinda Rivera. And, uh, she was just so photogenic, so beautiful. Um, we just you did know, some really, yeah. Richard, I, I got an idea here. Let, let's see. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to you. Let, let's, let's do this here with the, the movie premiere. Let's do it during the summertime when, uh, you and I and, uh, Kelly, uh, can uh, go to a FM Redhawks baseball game together, and uh, the FM Redhawks have a great uh, baseball heritage in history. As a matter of fact, uh, they used to be back in the day. We used to have the FM Twins here. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. Uh, you know, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in the National League, and mm-hmm. American League. Do you know who broke the color uh, barrier in the American League? Hmm, in the American League, the first black player. That's a good question. I'm not sure about that. Larry Doby. Oh, okay. Wow, you just taught me something. Yeah, and here's what's interesting about Larry Doby. Uh, The uh, Northern League Rookie of the Year uh, was his, uh, played for the FM Twins, and his name was Mm -hmm. Jim Mudcat Grant. Oh, I remember him. He was a good pitcher. Yeah, and he got to be roommates with Larry Doby, and they said, you know, when he came up, they asked him, uh, he asked who he's going to uh, room with, and he said, uh, they said, well, you're going to room with Larry Doby, and he's like, I don't want to, uh, uh, he's a, you know, he's a great, he's a star, I don't want to room with Larry Doby, and he, he told us the story about that. You know, here's the thing about uh, Fargo, uh, you know, we got we have a great, rich baseball heritage here, you know, Roger Maris was here, of course, mm-hmm. from here. And, uh, you know, they did the movie 61 with uh, 
uh, Barry Pepper and Thomas Jane. And what's yeah. interesting about what's interesting about that movie is Thomas Jane when he was cast as Mickey Mantle. The interesting thing about Thomas Jane is he had never ever played one second of baseball in his entire life. Can you mm. imagine uh, an American boy not ever playing baseball ever? Wow. Well, you know, Roger Maris, I'm so glad you mentioned him, Scott, because to me his single-season home run record is – I know I'm going to probably get people mad at me saying this, but I was pretty upset that his record was broke by people, in my mind, cheating with the steroids. Um, uh, everybody here in Fargo, North Dakota – Matthias, you can back me up on this – everybody here in Fargo, North Dakota would definitely agree with you. Yeah, I was very upset about it because – you know, as you know, I adored Roberto Clemente, and he was a very ethical person, and he was against cheating. He was, you know, and Roger Maris, to me, was so unique because among the Yankees, he wasn't the guy that maybe off the top of someone's off the top of someone's head they would pick to do that record. I mean, they would think more that that would be a record maybe Babe Ruth would set or Lou Gehrig or Mickey Mantle or somebody like that on the Yankees. And so Maris, I just think it's really cool that he had that great season 61, and he earned it old school. I mean, it's like Bruno the wrestler. He knows exactly. steroids. He, you know, he pumped, he pumped iron the old school way, and Clemente was the same way. You know, Clemente was so loyal to his team. He had such ethics like, hey, we're a team. We have loyalty. He played his, all eight, his whole career, all 18 seasons of the Pirates. So, I mean, I say this as one who – you know, I knew some of the guys, like, I had a, a radio show in Pittsburgh that was, was quite popular on uh, 101.5 FM, and so the Pirates would, you know, send me over tickets and, you know, invite me to come after the, after my broadcast and see, and my, my son-in-law uh, worked in the front office for the Pirates, and, you know, um, you know, we had, I mean, I knew Barry Bonds and some, and some of these other people, and so, I, I don't mean to sound so harsh, but in my mind, like, Roger Maris did it old school, no cheating, you know, and it. Exactly. And he was a pure I, athlete. And, you know, here's the other thing about Fargo in our baseball history. How many towns in America can say that they are home to baseball museums of two great baseball players that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Roger Maris, we have his museum, and uh, unfortunately we don't have it here anymore, but we used to have the Maury, Mil Maury Wills Museum here as well. Oh, yeah, he was one of the greatest base runners ever, uh, Maury Wills. Yes, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was great. He was a great person, too. Like Clemente, he was a really decent person. Can I chime in? Yeah, you know, Kelly, I know I, I do apologize. I know we're supposed to be talking about your book. I, I'm sorry I got sidetracked with, with baseball talk, no, no. but I'll tell no, you what, Richard. Okay. I love baseball. I know, I love Richard, baseball what do. We we are going to reschedule you, and we're going to have a whole show about you talking about baseball. We're going to do that. Uh, but uh, go ahead, Kelly. I'm sorry. I was going to say uh, there's a famous baseball player mentioned in Lucy and the Lake Monster who is actually mm -hmm. from the Boaga Bay area, uh, area of Mineville, New York, and it's Johnny Padres. And he went on to lead the Brooklyn Dodgers to their victory over the Yankees in the 1955 World Series. Can I tell you a story about and that? So, pardon me? My can I tell you a story about the 55 World Series? Uh, my, my father, uh, a diehard Dodger fan, until the uh, Minnesota mm -hmm. Twins arrived, okay? 
1955, Game 7 of the World Series. That's back when they played uh, the World Series during the day. My dad mm-hmm. actually called in sick to school so he could stay home and uh, listen to that game. Oh, good for him. My kind of man. Sounds like you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think your dad and I will be good buddies because I used to play hooky and go down and watch the baseball games. <laughs> so here's Tell me about the do. newspaper article. Tell him about the newspaper article. Oh, well, I got busted, Scott. Yeah, I used to go down, and when they had the day games, I knew the players' entrance where they would all go in, and I would hang out there, and the play, the Pirates knew me. And so, you know, I was kind of like an unofficial mascot that would hang out with the players and stuff. What I would do is I'd take my school bus to school, and then I'd sneak off of the school campus, and I would catch this what was called the PAT bus, P-A-T was Pennsylvania Trans, uh, Transit, and I would take the city bus downtown to Three River Stadium, and I would then walk to the door, this you know the secret pr- players' private entrance, which I knew where it was, and I'd you know talk to the players as they showed up and hang out with them and stuff, and and then you know after the businessmen special game, which was like you know twelve thirty to three or so, I'd catch the city bus back, catch the school bus, come home like you know hey mom I had a good day at school that kind of a thing. And uh, but one of the days the news happened to be there, and they were interviewing the players and stuff. And I was on the news, you know, wow. about this about this kid that's with the players. And they started asking my opinion about stuff. And you know, I don't, I didn't know, you know, I was wet behind the ears. And they're asking me all these questions. You know, one of them was, should they sell beer in grocery stores? I remember that was one of the questions because they were thinking about having beer in the grocery stores. And uh, here I am, and I'm with like Pirates pitcher John Candelaria and Lou Brock from the Cardinals, and I'm, 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 you know, not even thinking through that this is going to get me in trouble. And I'm like, oh, my dad would love that. You know, my dad, my dad drinks quite a bit, and you know, and <clears throat> next thing I know, my I come home from school, and my mother is waiting. How was school today? And then she tells me, I saw you on the news with the Pirates at the game. And is that what he said? Uh, Mom, that wasn't me. That was someone that looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, I pulled out this autograph book, and I said, Mom, it's worth it. And I showed her all these autographs of all the Pirates greats and, and some of the other teams that played them. You know, uh, and I said, well, I said, Mom, an education's not just in school. Look at all these great autographs. And I'm thinking that would impress her, and didn't, but it did not impress her. She, she, she said, Numbers 2332, your sins have found you out. <laughs> do, do you still have that book of autographs? You know, I sure wish I had them all, but um, I did something quite foolish, uh, I think, back in the day. And um, I gave, you know, I donated that. Someone talked me into donating that. Um, oh man! Yeah, I wish I had them all. I have some of them, but I don't have them all like I used to. Um, you know, when you're when you're young, your frontal lobes aren't completely formed yet. Right. And uh, you know, people talk you into things. Um, you know, I of had course. a con artist guy at a church talk me into giving him a thousand dollars in my autograph books for the, you know, saying it was for the Lord. And I, you know, the guy was basically a con artist. And but I was, you know, they took advantage of me in a sense. Uh, you know, my father was ill, and 
oh, you know, God will heal your father and help your father if you give us X amount. They knew I had a big wad of cash because I played guitar as a kid, and I actually made some pretty good money as a musician as a kid. You also used to and, make guitars that wrestlers would smash too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, Honky Tonk Man uh, used to come by our music store, and uh, I would get him, I would get these guitars that were for kids that were just learning to play that were pretty light and the wood wasn't too thick. And then you'd kind of break it in advance and glue it back so it would break easy. You because you don't want to give a guy a concussion or whatever. But Honky Tonk Man, I think his real name was Roy, um, and Jimmy Hart is manager uh, there. But they're yeah, both Roy, really nice guys. Ferris, Roy Ferris. Yeah, yeah, they were both super nice guys. And hey, um, guys, have you ever taken a guitar shot to the head? Uh, no, but I violin to the head. That was not gimmick, right? No, it was not. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, we have uh, Kelly uh, 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 Tabor and uh, Richard Rossi as our guest here. Uh, uh, we we got about uh, well we got about nine minutes here before our theme song, uh, and I, I'll, I'll wrap this up about my dad here real quick. You know, uh, Veterans Day is coming up on Saturday, and my father and his brothers all served their country proudly. Uh, my father, of course, in uh, during Vietnam and during the first Gulf War, and uh, his brothers, my uncles, my favorite uncles, served uh, during the uh, uh, Korean conflict. And, uh, you know, I wanted to serve my country, of course, but I got disqualified because of my ADD. But, you know, uh, real, back to, uh, real quick back to baseball, you know, my father, I guess uh, I can't speak for him, but I would guess his top four World Series would have to be uh, 55 when they finally beat the Yankees. Uh, the 65 World Series, when the Twins and Yankees played both his teams, the 91 World Series, and the 87 World Series. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, I unfortunately, you know, I uh, never uh, got uh, – I, I played baseball, but I never caught the uh, – the the baseball uh, talent, as you say. But uh, in my family, we have a couple uh, – baseball legends uh both dale swam and john olrude uh are related uh on my uh uh, uh my to my father's aunt and mm. um so uh you know we have you know we have uh, baseball in our family as well and my father like i said was a great uh ball player that's why he was nicknamed homer because that's all he used to do